Welcome to the Blood Cancer Experience, a podcast by the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada. This podcast connects people affected by a blood cancer to resources that inform, support, educate, and empower. When it comes to cancer, it's hard to navigate the unknown, and there are no easy answers. We are here to bring you the information you need to make sense of every step of the blood cancer experience. My name is Sonia Mudo. I'm the Community Program Coordinator for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Philip Cruvilla, who will talk to us about current CLL treatment options, potential side effects, and how to manage them. Dr. Cruvilla is an oncologist hematologist who works at William Osler Health Center at the Brampton Civic Hospital. Thank you for joining us today. You're welcome, Sonia. Can you tell us a bit about yourself, your practice, and your motivations? Sure. As you said, I'm a a, a medical oncologist, and my main focus is in treating um, malignant uh, hematology, uh, which, of course, involves leukemias and and lymphomas. Uh, I work in a community center at a multi-site hospital and uh, treat a wide variety of, of patients. The uh, reason I ended up in community practice uh, was I I realized very late in my training that my main interest was actually in treating patients, uh, which is what we do in the community as opposed to uh, the alternative, which is an academic practice. I had initially planned to be an academic physician, and because of that, I even did some of the final part of my training in New York City uh, planning for that, but uh, I realized uh, then that uh, academia was not my interest. My main goal in life was to provide the best care possible uh, to, to patients. Can you briefly describe some of the main treatments for CLL? Sure. The, I think of the CLL treatments in three main categories. There's the older standard chemo immunotherapy option. Uh, The more modern option are targeted therapies, and then the third category would be experimental treatment options. Are those current treatments effective, um, and are they well-tolerated? Yes and no. Those questions are always difficult to to answer. Uh, I've been in practice for about 30 years, and compared to what we had 30 years ago, the treatments are fantastically effective and remarkably well-tolerated. Although um, from the patient perspective, uh, we all, they always want more, right? They still want better treatments and uh, better tolerated treatments. And then sort of what the media puts as the magic bullet, you want a perfect treatment that is 100% effective with no toxicities. Of course, we're not, um, we're not there yet. I'm not sure we, we will ever get there, but certainly compared to the state of the art for other uh, cancers, even other hematologic cancers, uh, I, I think our treatments are highly effective and very well tolerated. Can you outline some of the common side effects of these treatments? Yeah, the common side effects of, of treatments uh, depend very much on, on the type of treatment. Uh, so I initially mentioned one main category of treatments are chemoimmunotherapies. And there are different types, but the main side effects of these treatments uh, relates to what we call myelosuppression, uh, which is reduction of your normal blood counts, which can lead to, for example, if your red blood cell count drops, the need for blood transfusions or injections to 
uh, improve the blood counts. Uh, if your white blood count drops, which is a particularly common and important side effect of our modern day uh, chemoimmunotherapies, there's risk of infection, which is probably the most important of any of these uh, side effects. And lastly, the third cell in the blood that can get affected is the platelets. So if those drop, uh, then there's increased risk of bleeding. And you know the odd patient uh, getting those types of treatments will need um, uh, platelet transfusions and, and so on. Uh, those side effects are generally of a short-term nature and not long-term. And that is, I, I guess, one of the important distinct distinctions about the old-fashioned chemoimmunotherapy is that the treatment is generally given for a fixed duration, i.e. a few months after which it, it, it is stopped. And of course, the side effects typically uh, pass. So uh, nowadays, it's very much in fashion to use targeted therapies. Um, these um, have, uh, th these are generally tablets that are taken uh, once a day, uh, maybe some alternative schedules for a prolonged period of time. So that's one important difference in chemotherapy is that they're given for a much longer uh, period of time and some of the treatments are given on, for an indefinite uh, basis. Here the side effects depend very much on the drug that, uh, th that is used. Uh, they tend to have much less side effects in general compared to uh, older fashioned uh, chemotherapies. But, uh, but uh, they, they do have their own side effects. And I guess what's different about the side effects of these medications is they tend to be, uh, they have the potential at least to be continuous because as I said earlier, some of these treatments are given indefinitely. So patients may be on them for years, possibly even decades. And some of the side effects uh, could, could last for that long. Uh, so compared to chemotherapy, these drugs generally tend to have less side effects with suppressing the blood count, so less risks of infection, anemia, uh, low platelet count, and so on. But on the other hand, depending on the drug use, they can have certain uh, other sort of, uh, I would almost say unique side effects. Side effects generally are, are more related to the, uh, to the particular drug that's used. Uh, for example, one of the common uh, drugs that's used is a drug called ibrutinib, and there's a newer um, drug called acalabrutinib, which are, both of which are very similar. Uh, th those drugs can uh, cause uh, bleeding. Uh, they can cause a heart rhythm abnormality called atrial fibrillation. You can sometimes get, get diarrhea. Um, the, the, so, so there are a whole host of other side effects which are there, uh, which can be very different than chemotherapy. Uh, whereas a, another targeted agent, for example, venetoclax, which is now available as well in Canada, uh, tends to have very little of those side effects. Uh, but one of the short-term important side effects of that drug is what we call tumor lysis syndrome, where the drug, in a sense, works too well. It kills off the leukemia very rapidly and the breakdown products can overwhelm the body. And that requires some particular attention to prevent that uh, from happening. Considering those side effects, uh, what should a person watch out for because they represent a risk? When should someone contact their healthcare team concerning those side effects? Yeah, very good question. Um, 
once again, I would really emphasize that it's really important to be aware of the side effects that are unique to the treatment and relevant to the treatment uh, that, that the patient is receiving. Um, you know, and get, getting back to chemoimmunotherapy and even the target agents, probably the most important side effect is infection because that is potentially rapidly fatal. And it is also uh, almost always very simple to treat. Uh, and you know, the hallmark of uh, watching out for infection is to watch out for fever. And very important for these things, if you get fever, to follow the instructions you've been given which is almost always to go to the emergency room, not to contact your health practitioner. Uh, we've had the odd patient do that, and very rarely with, uh, with disastrous results. So it's really important to follow the instructions uh, that are given with you during your education session. And my, my advice to patients always, and not just for, for uh, leukemia treatment, is you need to be well-educated about about your uh, treatment and its side effects before you start taking the medication. Sure, there are some exceptional circumstances where treatment is given on an emergency basis and you may not have time to know as much as you would like before, but th those circumstances are generally speaking few and far between. And now at virtually all centers in, in, in the country, uh, you, ha you have other support rather than just the physician. You have the nurse, pharmacist, uh, and, and so on, all of whom uh, are, are very important in, in education. So I, I would really stress it's important as a patient to really understand the side effects of your particular treatment and know what is, uh, what, what is really important. It's very difficult, if not impossible, to give a generic um, view of, of what should prompt things. And the last point I would also make is that some of these targeted therapies are really quite new and some of the side effects can be delayed. And there's also the possibility that some people may not even attribute what happens on these drugs um, as a side effect. For example, diarrhea with one of the targeted agents called Ridalilisib, uh, the peak time for that to happen is six months later. And that is certainly something you should be contacting your, your healthcare provider about if that happens. Uh, but on the other hand, it's very hard to remember six months after starting a treatment, everything is going well, uh, patient is in remission, you get diarrhea. Uh, and you know it may or may not be due to the medication. So uh, it, it's, it's sort of important to maintain a high level of suspicion. If anything unusual is going on, at least consider the possibility, is it related to my treatment? Some people tend to endure their side effects because they think they're normal and, you know, with education on the treatments, uh, they would have that list. What are some of the side effects that can be managed by medication? Well, I mean, almost all side effects, I think, can nowadays be managed. There are very few side effects uh, that really have no management. Um, you know, and I, I, I quite like the way you phrase that, uh, enduring side effects. One of the common uh, things I tell my patients is that nothing is free in, in life. And if you want benefit from a treatment, uh, there are always side effects. Like I was saying earlier, we don't have the magic bullet yet to treat these things. On the other hand, um, treatment has come a long way. A, a lot of side effects uh, can, can be dealt with. They can either be eliminated in some cases uh, or at least made, made manageable. And this is really important for, um, 
for, for the targeted agents where, as I said, patients can sometimes be on these drugs for months, years, even decades. Uh, to me, it's unacceptable uh, to have a patient endure uh, and suffer on treatment for that length of time. It, you know, it's one thing to have a miserable week when you're taking chemotherapy and then everything goes away. But I mean, if you're miserable every day for the rest of your life while you're taking a uh, oral agent, uh, that's not acceptable. And that's where it's really important to, to communicate with your, with your physician uh, what you're experiencing. Uh, because, you know, when we see a patient in the clinic, uh, we're, we're often seeing the patient at their best, right? They've cleaned up, uh, guys have shaved, the ladies are dressed very nicely, everyone is smiling, they look great. And, and you know, if, if, if you don't tell us uh, that you're so tired most of the time you can't get out of bed, for example, we would never know about it, right? If, if you say everything is fine, we will believe you and, and, and assume everything is fine. So I think it's really important to, uh, to, uh, to communicate uh, with your physician what you're actually feeling rather than just assuming yeah, I'm on treatment, I'm supposed to feel rotten. That is not the case. You know, you should feel reasonably well uh, on, on most treatments, uh, knowing, of course, that there are exceptions. Which side effects do you think have the most impact on someone's quality of life? To me, uh, these are side effects that may not be terribly severe, but those are uh, lingering. And, you know, once again, because targeted agents are, are the big vogue, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. So for example, uh, fatigue uh, can be an issue with some of the targeted agents that we use um, or diarrhea. Now, you know, uh, diarrhea is perhaps a good example because that's quite, uh, that can happen uh, with some of the treatments for uh, CLL. And, you know, we have this old fashioned grading system in how we grade how severe a side effect is with grade one being the mildest and the, the large number grade four, five and so on being, being very severe. And the traditional thinking, because this was developed for chemotherapy was if you have a grade one side effect, well, it's, it, it, it's minor. And I think that's true for chemotherapy because as I said earlier, side effects from chemotherapy come and they go away typically within a few days or, or a week or two very different with a targeted therapy, where, for example, if you're getting diarrhea from a targeted therapy, it will be there and likely as long as you're on the drugs. So for example, grade one diarrhea uh, for, for the rest of your life is almost an intolerable side effect. Patients who have that know where every single washroom is because they, they sometimes uh, need to uh, use the facilities very quickly without warning. And, you know, those kinds of things, which initially sound trivial, have major impact on quality of life because they are of a continuous nature. Uh, same with fatigue. Um, if, if that is there as a continuous uh, problem, it can have major impact uh, on, on quality of life. So those, I find those more chronic, generally low level side effects are the ones that are problematic because those are the ones we see in patients who are doing very well, by the way, who are on drugs one year, two, three, five, ten years after treatment. And uh, those sometimes can be challenging to manage, particularly fatigue. That is one that we as physicians uh, often struggle, but in some situations, of course, we are able to help. So it is important to, to communicate that. 
Why do you think it's important to provide well-tolerated treatment options and why is it important to manage these side effects as best as possible? The main reason to provide well-tolerated treatments are, uh, first of all, the goals of treatment in, in any patient, and this is very old-fashioned old for me to say this, but I mean, there really are only two goals of treatment when you look at a patient on any therapy. One is to optimize their survival, i.e. their length of life, and number two is to optimize their quality of life. All of the other benefits that we measure in studies and talk to patients about are, are basically subcategories of those two things. Um, so uh, as far as quality of life, that is directly impacted by the degree of side effects uh, from their treatment, also by their disease, of course, right? But uh, obviously the less side effects a patient has from their therapy, the better their quality of life is, all else being equal. The second important corollary of that is uh, given that a lot of our treatments are now oral, i.e. the patient takes them on their own, um, it, it, it is clear that if the, patient, if the drugs are well tolerated, patients are more likely to take them. There was a period of time when we in the cancer field were very naive. We thought, well, you know, the patient has cancer. So, you know, clearly they will take their medication uh, properly uh, as opposed to patients who have high blood pressure, high cholesterol and so on, uh, where the, you know, the studies have shown that uh, a third or more of patients don't take their medications uh, properly. It's exactly the same in, in, in cancer. And uh, clearly, if you're not taking the medication, you're not going to do as well because you won't get the benefit uh, as somebody who, do, who does take their medication regularly. And one of the reasons why patients don't take their medication is because they have side effects. They, uh, they're off for a week. They want to go away and want to go skiing or, uh, or go visit a relative somewhere else. They don't want that ongoing fatigue or that low-level diarrhea. So that's why it's really important to, um, to uh, get your side effects controlled so that uh, you can have the best quality of life and also uh, get the best response from your therapy. How long does it take someone to get back to normal once they've completed their treatments? Uh, for example, chemotherapy, uh, we know that patients have side effects long after that. Why would that happen? The reason that happens is not because the uh, drugs are in your system. Uh, uh, patients all often ask me, uh, how long are the drugs in my system for chemotherapy, for example? And they're always shocked to know that the drugs are actually gone within a very short period of time, typically hours, uh, the drug is gone. But on the other hand, that doesn't mean the side effects go away. The, the, the side effects are related to the damage the drugs cause to the normal uh, body cells. And, and those side effects uh, sometimes can take quite some time to disappear. And, and it's different for each, um, for each side effect, how long the recovery takes. For example, when you give chemotherapy, uh, blood counts and bone marrow recovery typically occurs within a week or two uh, for most things. Uh, same with diarrhea from chemotherapy, it typically recovers within a week or so. Um, things are different with targeted therapies. Uh, so for example, diarrhea, which I seem to be talking a lot about today. Um, uh, sometimes a targeted therapy causes diarrhea, but it's by um, uh, activating the immune system. So that's why it can occur 
at any time, even uh, a peak of, of six months, as I said, uh, with, um, with adult listen. The, the other important point uh, that, that I think it's really important for patients to understand is one of the reasons why many patients struggle to recover after chemotherapy particularly uh, is because they, they lose their fitness. Most of us are not uh, professional athletes or, or super fit and, and exercise freaks, right? Most uh, patients we see uh, are, are not terribly fit. And what happens when we give them chemotherapy, they become less active. Uh, they often gain some weight nowadays because there isn't much nausea and vomiting. And because of that, uh, they, they lose their fitness and they struggle very much afterwards. And, uh, you know, the studies have shown that uh, patients who follow an exercise program during treatment afterwards recover because one of the things that will help patients recover back to their normal life uh, is, is exercise to regain their, uh, their fitness level. The pro athletes who get uh, uh, cancer treatment know this very well. And then they will say it typically takes them uh, one to two years to recover fully. Now those patients fun function at a much higher level than, uh, than the rest of us. But I would say for the average person, they're mostly back to normal three to six months uh, after therapy. The, the other thing I really encourage my patients to, and of course this is very individual, is I really encourage them to try and get their life back to normal, i.e. go back to work, uh, you know, do their normal activities if they're into playing bridge, whatever, bingo, whatever, to try and do that as soon as possible after treatment because I am firmly of the opinion that, that the mind is very important in how we recover and how we tolerate things. And, you know, most of us, myself included, if we sit around at home, uh, we're going to stress about how we feel and about everything else. And, and, and in the end, I find that just makes things worse. I, I get very worried uh, about my patients if, 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 I, if I see them not even making an attempt to, to get back to normal uh, within a few months uh, or less of finishing uh, treatment. Could the future bring treatment options with fewer side effects? Most certainly. Uh, th there are two main goals of, of future therapies. One, of course, is to make the treatments more effective, although uh, we were saying earlier, uh, treatments are much more effective, but they're still not perfect, right? We still want more effective treatments. And also, uh, we want treatments that have fewer side effects. And this gets back to that magic bullet concept, right? Ideally, you want a treatment that has no side effects. And ideally, you would want a treatment that you could uh, take for a short period of time so that whatever side effects are there are gone once the, once the treatment is finished. And there's a lot of research going on uh, to that. Um, the, the other big problem we have nowadays with these continuous treatments uh, are cost, right? These new targeted agents they really cost a fortune. And I uh, am somewhat of the opinion that they are going to become very unaffordable because each new drug seems to cost even more and more. And every single drug that comes out now seems to be recommended to be taken indefinitely. That is starting to change. You know, People are now looking at trials to see perhaps instead of giving a drug uh, indefinitely, maybe you could just give it for one to two years, take uh, and and successfully stop it in some patients, or at least give patients a break and then resume treatment. 
all these are sort of strategies that are uh, being done now to try and um, make the treatment more tolerable for the patient as well as for society in general. Thank you so much for sharing your insights today. That was very interesting. And I, I am sure that our listeners would appreciate your information. Thank you. Oh, you're, you're welcome. If listeners have any questions about CLL, or if you need support to navigate your experience, I encourage you to connect with the community services manager in your area. Visit bloodcancers.ca to connect with us. Until next time, stay well. This podcast was made possible thanks to the support of AstraZeneca. Thank you for listening to the Blood Cancer Experience podcast series by the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada. You can find us wherever you access your favorite podcasts, so be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. If you have an idea for the show, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email with your comments or suggestions to canadainfo at lls.org. The Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada is dedicated to funding cutting-edge research and supporting people affected by blood cancers. To learn more and access resources including fact sheets, booklets, and webcasts, visit llscanada.org.